Well, I've got some good news and I've got some good news. Which one do you want to hear first? As my kids roll their eyes. Can you imagine even just a day when all that there is is good news? You log in to wherever it is you get your news, or you open your newspaper if you're still old school, like Matt and Vanessa Cunningham, and all you see is good news. You're kind of looking, or you're, you're, you're looking, and you're not seeing any shootings, no war, no racism, no abuse of authority, no hate, no poverty, no sickness, no death, no bad news to be found, only good news. You know, we're so used to seeing and hearing bad news that I didn't even know, like, what that newspaper would look like. Like, what would be reported? Like, puppies being rescued, people being kind to one another, helping one another out, people making peace, uh, politics marked by compassion and unity. Seems like an oxymoron. You know, here in Portland, we certainly have had our share of bad news lately, right? We have people fleeing Portland in record numbers. We have uh, record numbers of shootings and homicides. We see vandalism and homelessness, inflation, political ineptitude and partisanship. You know, maybe particularly as Christians, we can tend to be like bad news bears people. We're like always focused on how, how bad things are, how bad the culture is. We see some of these uh, cultural ideologies and worldviews, and we wonder what kind of world are our kids or our grandkids growing up in? You know, if we even continue to zoom in, think about the world, think about Portland, even our own church. You know, I, I think it's fair to say, at least from speaking on behalf of the pastoral staff, 2022 was one of the worst years. I mean, yes, there were some good things that happened, for sure, but 2022 was rough. Uh, basically, you had to give Michael and I uh, multiple sabbaticals just to recover. And if I'm honest, uh, there have been many days over the past year or so where I've wondered, is this all worth it? Is it worth it to continue to follow Jesus in the fellowship of his church. And some of you who have had it 10 times harder over the last couple of years. You know, when things are difficult, one of the things I like to do when I'm struggling is go for a walk, get out in nature, call it maybe my Laurelhurst Park or Lone Fir Cemetery or Mount Tabor therapy. And I'd invite you to, metaphorically speaking, take a walk with me this morning. So, come take a walk with me through the wilderness outside Jerusalem. As we come upon the Jordan River, our eyes are going to be drawn to a crazy-looking guy who's going to kind of act like a park ranger on our hike to orient us to what, or rather, who this hike is all about. And as we listen to the park ranger in this opening act this morning, 
If we listen to him and pay attention to what he's saying right from the get-go, we're going to have a lot more confidence on the hike of where we're going and what to expect. If we pay attention this morning, we're going to better understand why it is, why so many people get confused and lost on this particular hike and abandon the path altogether. You know, people who we thought were the most committed often bail. And we're going to witness reactions on this hike of amazement, confusion, fear, worship, and murderous hate. So just to warn you, as you take this walk with me, there's going to be wild animals on this hike, demon-possessed people, Satan, angels, naked people streaking across the path. So that will remind us of Portland. Possessed pigs falling into the sea. There's going to be walking on water, talking to storms, and those are just to name a few things. All of these strange events, all of these things on our hike, though, are focused. The focus is one man, his identity and his mission. So I'm excited to go on this journey with you. I hope you're looking forward to our time Uh, in the Gospel of Mark this summer. I'm excited to deliver to you the good news of Jesus from the Gospel of Mark. Uh, You can keep up and read ahead a time by taking these sermon cards that are in your pews and chairs ahead of you and be reading in advance what we're going to consider. We're going to start today this nine-week sermon series that will take us into August. And this sermon series is all about good news. It's all about the good news of Jesus. Each week in the Gospel of Mark, we're going to be considering different aspects of the identity of Jesus, always related to one another. And we're going to consider uh, not only who he is, but why he's come to do what he's come to do and why that's such good news for us. So today is simply the grand introduction to Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. And I'd invite you to turn in your Bibles there now. If you're going to use the Pew Bibles, it's found on page 887. 887. You will be helped uh, throughout this hike if you keep the map out and uh, follow along. So page 887, the Gospel of Mark. And I would invite you to look at Mark 1-1 with me. Actually, we're going to read through the the whole text. It's just 15 verses. Mark 1-1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. A voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. John wore a camel hair garment with a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, one who is more powerful than I am is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth and Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. 
As soon as he came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Immediately the spirit drove him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and the angels were serving him. After John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. One of the things I love about the Gospel of Mark is Mark doesn't really mess around with much commentary uh, or much uh, setup. He gets right after it. He says, let's go. This reads like kind of like a graphic novel. It's full of action and color. And he tells us right off the bat in verse 1, this is all about Jesus. Here, and here's who he is. In case you're wondering, he is the Christ, which means the Messiah, the King, the promised and awaited one of the Jews. But this isn't just good news for the Jews. Just like the very beginning of the Bible says, in the beginning, God here, we have here at the beginning of this a whole new restart. God is going to do something good. That's what gospel means, good news. And it's something through his son, the son of God. And that's for everyone, Jew and Greek alike. Which begs the question, if this is what God will do, what are we to do? And that's what brings us to verses 14 and 15, which we'll consider at the end of this message. We respond in repentance and faith, or repent and believe the good news. We'll see how repenting is to reverse course or turn away from something. And so here Jesus is, t- is telling us, because he's arrived, to turn away from our old way and respond in trust to his kingdom and his reign as Lord. Guys, we're going to hear three voices speak to us the good news of the Lord's coming this morning. The voice in the wilderness, the voice from heaven, and the voice of the Lord, which all proclaim the Lord has come and demand a response. So we need to listen to all three of these voices and respond how the Lord tells us to respond himself by turning and trusting. Why do we do that? Because this is not only good news, this is the best news. God has come in the person of his son to rescue us from our sin. He lived and he died in our place and he rose again so that we could know a relationship with God. And so my prayer for us this morning is simple. It comes right from Mark 1, 14 and 15. I pray that we would repent and believe in the good news of the Lord. Repent and believe in the good news of the Lord. So let's listen to the three voices and hear how they proclaim this good news and why we should respond in repentance and faith. Uh, First, we're going to hear the voice in the wilderness. I'm going to pick it up in verse 2 and read again through verse 8. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. A voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. 
the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. John wore a camel hair garment with a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, one who is more powerful than I am is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I told you a minute ago about the the crazy looking park ranger. You probably guessed it. It's John the Baptist. Uh, He's going to be the one who's going to orient us on our walk. Um, He's the one in verse 3 who's described as the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. So were you listening to what he was all about in verses 4 through 8? I was, I was wondering, you know, you have him kind of with a strange diet here if he covered the locusts in wild honey, but we can ask him that later. Um, what I want you to see here is that John the Baptist is the opening act. He himself tells us the headliner is going to blow him out of the water. He's here to get us ready for the main event. Uh, he's here to whet our appetites for the one who's coming. Look with me now uh, down at verse 4. And here we have in verse 4 something new and something old. Something new. John came baptizing. Baptism is new. Uh, You will not find the word baptize or baptism in the Old Testament. It was a similar thing that Gentile converts to Judaism would go through. But ironically, John's baptism... It's not for Greeks, it's for Jews. John is showing that to be born a Jew is not sufficient. Something else needed to take place. So that's something new, something old, the wilderness. The wilderness is more than where these things happened to take place. Now, we're drawn to the fact that we're in the wilderness three times in this text. Did you catch that? Verse 3, verse 4, finally in verse 12. The wilderness would have evoked feelings among God's people of when Israel first became God's people called his firstborn son, where God led his people out of slavery in Egypt as they crossed through the Red Sea. Uh, the, The wilderness is also in the prophets, a place of expectation for Israel. Uh, It's going to make them look forward to the day when God would renew his covenant with his people. Not to mention that it's by the Jordan River. That would have called to mind when they crossed out of the wilderness into the promised land uh, with Joshua. Uh, so, So for God's people, this taking place in the wilderness is no accident. Uh, The the path to the promised land, John's telling them, is paved with repentance and faith through the wilderness. Now, repentance, baptism, this journey through the wilderness, uh, it's an act of preparation, as I said, for what John says is coming. Um, Let's hear what this voice crying out in the wilderness says in verses 7 and 8. John proclaims, one who is more powerful than I am is coming after me. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I will baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. When this powerful one comes, we're going to see the one coming also preaches a message of repentance. 
But it's not because the kingdom of God is coming. We'll see that when the coming one comes, it's because the kingdom of God has come. It's here. So John, I want you to see, understands his ministry as merely a setup for the coming Lord. Only the Lord can come and do what John says he can do, which is baptized with the Holy Spirit. No prophet could do that. Only the Lord can bring the Spirit. So before we move on, we, we see here that John prepares the way for the one coming, for the Lord. That's who he's talking about. Uh, and I think this is seen most clearly, though, if we skip back up to verses 2 and 3. Who is John talking about? Verses 2 and 3 make this really clear. This, this uh, ministry that the Lord gave John didn't come from John. It wasn't John's idea like, I got a feeling the Lord's coming. I'm going to go out to the wilderness and proclaim he's coming. No, he's going according to prophecy. These words in Mark 1, 2, and 3 are like a mashup, a remix of Old Testament uh, scriptures. We have Moses and Exodus. We heard from Mary that passage earlier. We have Isaiah. We have Malachi. And through, through these combined voices, they, they're, they're saying one common thing. From the first prophet to the last, Malachi, the message is the Lord is coming. He's on his way. And he's going to do something new. And so you better get ready. You better get ready for the Lord's coming. And the Lord is going to help us get ready by sending his end times prophet, uh, who, is, who is John, to get God's people ready before he comes. After 400 years of silence out here in the wilderness, people are coming to hear this message of hope that the Lord is on his way. The Lord is coming. You know, maybe as you sit here this morning, uh, you're someone who has doubts about all this, that the God of the Bible is real. And I'm sure there were people like you in the first century in, in Israel. Uh, maybe they were even religious, Jewish in name, uh, but they couldn't be bothered from their life back in the city and the towns to go out to the wilderness to hear some crazy guy talking about the coming of the Lord. Now, first off, I just want to say, if you are someone who is here who is doubting the truth of what is in this book, we are so glad that you are here this morning. You are welcome here. And as you know, what you're hearing today is a very old message. It is an ancient text that has been preserved for us for almost 2,000 years. But it's through this old message that you can be made new. So I want to invite you to listen to the voice in the wilderness. Listen to this message of a new beginning and an ancient hope fulfilled in the coming of the Lord. Consider what it might mean as we embark on this journey in Mark, if there is a Lord and King who reigns over all the earth, if he were to come and make his presence known, would you even recognize him? Would you care? Would you be interested in hearing how you could prepare for his arrival? 
Or are you too busy, too preoccupied with the things back home? You know, some of us are maybe in a different camp. We're intrigued by this voice that we hear in the wilderness. Uh, It's a a voice that speaks of the powerful coming of the Lord. But maybe we, we recognize like in our heads, oh yeah, this is good news. This is why I come to church. This is good news. But it hasn't become really good news to you. You maybe even haven't done anything about it. Your life hasn't really changed. You haven't really left the city and the towns and, and come to listen. Maybe you haven't literally been baptized upon your profession of faith. How come? Jesus commands, as we're going to consider later, that believers, those who believe this news of the Lord's coming to be good, be baptized upon their profession of faith and repentance towards God. And we would love to talk to you today, as Mark mentioned earlier in the service, uh, what it would mean for you to make this good news of the Lord's coming good news for you and how you might go on a journey with, with Christ and his church walking in repentance, just like we see these early Jews going out into the wilderness to do. You know, today, as I mentioned, we have the privilege of baptizing Annika Wilsey, uh, someone who has repented of her sins and is committing to walk in repentance for her whole life. So this is a call. Will we support her? Will we pray for her going forward as we look to that coming day of the Lord? Some of you have, this, this news is good to you. Uh, and you have been baptized, and you're following the Lord, what will it mean to continue for you to prepare for the coming of the Lord? How can we leave uh, the city and the towns, metaphorically speaking, with the worldly concerns and regularly remind ourselves of the good news of the coming of the Lord? Is there anything that you need to maybe particularly turn and leave behind today to prepare for the Lord to come and to make his dwelling with you. You know, often one of the ways that we best prepare for the coming of the Lord is to ask for help. To ask for help. And particularly to ask someone in the church who has covenanted with you to walk with you to walk with you in an area maybe of sin that you're struggling with? Friends, if you're serious about preparing for the coming of the Lord, you're going to need to confess your sins like the people by the River Jordan. You're going to need to ask for help if you're going to live a lifestyle of repentance that is turning from your sin and humbly turning towards God in trust. A new beginning is offered to us in the wilderness, an old hope fulfilled, a fresh start, the coming of the great day of the Lord that outshines all other days. It's a day that should make us tremble with joy, for this is the good news that God is coming. He is coming to dwell with his people. The Lord is on his way. Uh, So are you listening? Are you listening to the voice in the wilderness? It is only those who prepare 
for the coming of the Lord who know Jesus' coming to be good news. So the voice in the wilderness calls us to look with expectation for the good news of the Lord's arrival. It speaks of old promises fulfilled in this new rescue mission. And it is only those who leave behind their old ways who will know the rescue of the Lord. But who is he? And how will he rescue us? That's when the voice from heaven comes in. And that brings us to our second point, the voice from heaven. Let's look again at Mark 1, 9 through 13. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. As soon as he came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Immediately the spirit drove him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and the angels were serving him. John the Baptist prepared us for the coming of the Lord, but nothing truly can prepare us for what takes place in these verses. You know, I understand many of you have heard this story countless times, uh, but here at Jesus's baptism and temptation, we're going to consider how heaven breaks loose and nothing is the same after that. First though, I, we may have the question, why does Jesus need to be baptized? He didn't need a new start. He didn't need to confess his sins or repent. Well, later, and as I, we keep on mentioning, Annika is going to be baptized later. And, and when Annika or you or I are baptized, we are identifying with Jesus. But when Jesus was baptized, he's identifying with us. We all deserve God's judgment. And water in the ancient Near East symbolized God's judgment, the chaos of the waters. We can think of the flood in Genesis. Or I think what is in mind here is the Red Sea and how the waters came down in judgment on God's enemies. We deserve to be kept under the water of, of God's judgment because we have made this world a wasteland of, of evil and injustice. We're, we're entitled creatures thinking that we deserve to be treated like lords with the world revolving around us. But the good news of the gospel is that when the Lord comes, he doesn't come in judgment. He comes to identify with us. He comes to be judged in our place. This is why Jesus had to be baptized, to fulfill all righteousness. This is in his baptism, he is previewing for us that Jesus has come to die. The Lord has come to die, to be condemned in our place, the perfect sacrifice the Lord who came to rescue his people yet again. So Jesus is identifying with us when he goes down under the waters of God's judgment. But he doesn't stay down. He comes back up, symbolizing the hope of the coming resurrection. You know, in verse 10, we see that the heavens are not just open with like a nice ray, you know, of light coming down on Jesus uh, the, the language is violent. Heaven is literally being ripped open, never to be the same. Uh, this would have called to mind the, the hope of Isaiah 64.1. If only you would tear the heavens and come down. Uh, yes, the Lord has come down from heaven. And it's not just going to be the heavens that are torn, uh, but 
at the end, at Jesus' death, the curtain in the temple will tear. Same word as is being used here, signaling that God has come to dwell with his people, which should be terrifying because God is a holy God, but he has come in peace. Isn't that what we see in verse 11 or in verse 10? The spirit descends on him like a dove. Uh, the, The person of the Holy Spirit anoints Jesus for his mission like a dove, a symbol of peace. And then we have verse 11, which I think is the climax of this opening introduction. A voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Israel was called God's firstborn son in the wilderness. But Israel failed. Israel did not walk faithfully with God. They broke the covenant. Moses hadn't even gotten down the mountain, and they had broke like a bunch of the commandments already. But here we have the perfect son who's going to succeed in his mission to be a blessing, not just to the Jews, but to the nations. This finally is the righteous son, the beloved son who's going to show us what God the Father is like. This is the Holy One of God. Yahweh himself has come to dwell with his people. Uh, He's going to lead us in his people into the promised land and show us how we can be forgiven of our sins. God's identifying with his beloved son here at the baptism, and the son is identifying with us. Guys, look at verses 10 and 11. Behold your triune God, the son of God coming up out of the waters, judged in our place, the son anointed with the very spirit of God, and then the voice of the father in heaven declaring that this is my beloved son. With him, I am well pleased. This is the triune God conspiring on how to save his people. This was his plan. And this time, our rebellion can't stop his plan. You know, our our waywardness, like Israel, will not get in the way because God has secured a way through his son where he will keep this covenant. It is the son of God himself who's going to ensure it. This is why the father is well pleased with the son who's going to fulfill all righteousness. I think the, the new Exodus themes continue to abound in verses 12 through 13. It's no, it's no accident that Jesus goes deeper into the wilderness in verses 12 through 13 and He's not there for 40 years. He's there for 40 days, symbolizing that time that Israel spent in the wilderness. This is, friends, why the good news is so good. God has made a way for sinners like you and me to be forgiven of our sins. He came to lead us out of the wilderness and into a place of hope through his son. Uh, So, If you're not a Christian, if you're someone who hasn't been baptized as a believer, you should talk to someone before you leave today. Why would you not want a son like this, the Lord himself, to identify with you and represent you before the Father? 
you know, good, good parents always identify with their kids. A good parent loves his child and is well-pleased with his child just because it's his, her child. And because God the Father sent his son to identify with us, he is well-pleased with us because of the work of the son. This should change everything for us. This should change how we face suffering, how we think about even our own identity, the way we interact with people in the church and the world, even how we approach success and accomplishment. If there is a son like this who identifies with us at such great cost to himself, uh, we, we should rejoice even in the bad news, even in the brokenness and the suffering that we have a representative like this. So think about today, even over lunch, talk about how does this better son make this news good to you, sweet to you? This happened a long time ago, but Jesus' baptism and temptation rewrites our present and our future with words of hope and joy. Thankfully, Jesus tells us how to respond, and this brings us to our third and final point, the voice of the Lord. So listen to the final two verses of our text this morning and consider your response. After John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. We see that John is arrested for his message. The message of repentance is, is never popular for long, uh, especially when it's preached to those in power. But as John fades off the scene, Jesus leaves the wilderness and he begins right where John left off. Verse 14, we see that Jesus enters Galilee proclaiming the good news that is the gospel of God. What is that good news? Verse 15, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Again, Mark has brought us to the bookend of where he began in verse 1. John has done his job. It's cost him his life, he's, but he's paved the way for the coming of the Lord, the one who's here to baptize with the Holy Spirit. The heavens have been ripped open, and God has now come to dwell with people. The time of expectation has given way to fulfillment. The time is now. It's here. You know, there, there are kids here, to, uh, as I was talking to some earlier, who can't wait for summer break, right? Some of you have been counting down the days. One of our kids has made a paper chain. Only 11 more days for some of you. Some of you are, have already completed it. Uh, we, we count down the days to time of vacation or expectation. Uh, we look forward to it. But kids, something better even than summer break is already here. The time has come. This is what Jesus says. The reign of the Lord has begun in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Lord. He's the king of the kingdom, and he's going to go on to preach, heal, cast out demons, demonstrate throughout his ministry what the kingdom of God is like. It's an upside-down kingdom. It's going to defy our expectations. 
you, you would think that the good news would be here to build us up, right? To make us feel good about ourselves, building up our self-esteem, uh, helping us enjoy all the good things that this life has to offer. But no, we will see that the king of the kingdom, uh, when he hangs on that Roman cross, that will be when we see the Lord in his glory at his coronation. And all of God's kingdom blessings will flow from the cross. Now, God intervened in our world 2,000 years ago when he ripped open the heavens and proclaimed that his reign had begun in the person of his son. And friends, there is no better news for a broken world than this. Do you believe that? The voice in the wilderness prepared us for it. The voice from heaven declared it. And now the Lord himself commands us to respond. The Lord Jesus tells us to repent and believe. This is conversion language. Uh, the prophets had been doing this for hundreds of years. They had been calling God's people to return to the Lord, come back to him, the, the fount of every blessing. They, but they would keep on wandering from him and worshiping other gods. Uh, to return to the Lord, to repent, is to be faithful to Yahweh, to the Lord again. Again, this is what John the Baptist's message was all about. Come back to the Lord. Do you see it as a, as a good thing to come back to the Lord? So often we are too ashamed. Uh, we we uh, despair in our sin. But it is a good thing to turn and come back to the Lord, to listen to him, to obey him, to know his open arms, welcome him, us back into his presence, uh, to confess your sin and your need of the Lord and to submit to his reign is, is how God brings us to himself. It is, it is to respond just as we sang and come ye sinners. If you tarry till you're better, you'll never come at all. God doesn't call us to meet him halfway. He comes down to us and he just calls us to come to him, to turn from our sins and to worship him, to rejoice in his kingdom reign. So if you are here today and you haven't repented of your sins, if you know in your heart that you're still living your life on your own terms, not submitting yourself to the kingdom reign of the Lord, we'd invite you to come. Come today. Come live under the good reign of Christ so that you can know God the Father say that you are in his son. He is well pleased with you because his son represents you before him. And he calls us to believe. Believe is just the other side of the same coin of repentance. To, to believe is not just to assent to something in your head, like, I believe that Abraham Lincoln was the 16th president of the United States, um, or I believe that this is true. This is why I go to church. No, it's to trust. It's to put all, go all in on, on Jesus. It's to, to trust him and commit your life to him. What will that mean for you to continue to walk 
and repentance and trust. Thankfully, that's what the Gospel of Mark is all about. That's what we're going to be considering this summer. And I feel free to read ahead. What does it look like to walk in repentance and trust in this Lord? Uh, it's helpful to know what it looks like in real everyday life. Some of you may wonder, what does it look like really, though, like today in Portland to walk in repentance and trust under the reign of Christ? I'd encourage you to look around you. Look around you. Uh, see lives turned around because of the reign of Jesus. We just welcomed in 10 new members. Maybe have them over. Hear how they came to know Christ. What does it look like for them to, to turn from their old way and trust in Christ? Hear their testimony. Ask people how, how God has ripped apart their life and given them a new hope. Uh, talk to people in our church who have been faithfully walking in repentance and faith for decades in this church. I, I thought of uh, Bob and Francis Finzer, who, who over decades uh, have welcomed new people into this church and loved them and shown us what it looks like to live under the reign of Christ, even as so many of their friends have, have moved on. This is what we do as a church. Uh, we walk in repentance and faith together. We, we know we can't do it on our own. We need help. And praise God that his spirit is at work among his people who are called by the name of the Son. So I don't know what kind of news you were expecting today. Uh, news that maybe just made you feel good, leaving church like you got a big, warm, spiritual hug, affirmed you and your opinions and desires. Uh, news maybe that gave you a hope of success, like you can do it. Yeah, you know, you can get that promotion. You're going to make a lot of money. Uh, maybe you just settle for some a day of no bad news. Well, that day's coming. But the good news that we hear today is that the Lord has already come. The Lord has come. And we can respond to the Lord by turning from our pride and trusting in him because the son stood in our place. He represents us. And if we are in Christ, the father is well pleased with us. So will you help one another walk in repentance and faith towards God and the Lord Jesus Christ? It's a good thing that the Lord has come. Is it good enough news to you that you will listen and obey the Lord today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we pray that you would give us hearts that rejoice in your reign. Oh Lord, that, that find it to be a good thing. Oh Lord, that we cannot do it on our own. Lord, that we cannot live the life of goodness and righteousness and wholeness. Oh Lord, so that you sent your son so that we might See what you are like, Father. And Lord, you send, send your spirit. Oh Lord, you have given us your spirit, empowered people in the church, uh, that we might walk, Lord, in faith and repentance together. Oh, so Lord, help us. Help us to, to walk together faithfully today as we look forward to that great day when you rip open the heavens again. 
Oh, Lord, when you come in glory. Oh, Lord, we pray, uh, Lord, that you would keep us until that day. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.